Welcome to God Family Purpose, the show that sheds light on our shared human experience through the lens of faith, family, and purpose. I'm Amanda Gilchrist, your host, and each week you'll get to see another co-host with me having those tough conversations. Trust me, you're always in for a treat. Let's get into today. So today here I have with me Kay Cole, and our episode is going to be focusing on blended families. So I'm sure you saw that catchy title, United We Blend, Navigating the Intricacies of Modern Day Blended Families. We're going to be talking about real stories, expert tips, and put a little touch of love in between. And what else can we put in it? It's God Family Purpose, right? So Kay, I am so excited to have you here today. So just tell us a little bit uh, just about you. Well, first, thank you, Amanda, for having me. I love the title, God, Family, Purpose. That's pretty much our entire life. Like everything goes into those three words. Um, Myself, I am a, I wear many hats, but (laughs) I am a tax professional as well as a business etiquette coach and a customer experience consultant. I am located in Metro Atlanta. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, when I was thinking about this topic and, you know, how I wanted to address it and who I wanted to address it with, you were literally the first person that came to my mind, right? Um, As someone who grew up in a blended family and then created my own, um, you also have that unique experience as well. So tell us just a little bit um, about your family dynamic, your blended family dynamic. We are the modern day Brady Bunch. (laughs) So I have four biological and my husband has four. So four, a family of eight, well, 10, including, you know, the adults. But we have a very blended family. Um, He has four girls. I have three boys and one girl aging from 21 to seven. So our house is complete chaos. Most of the times, but it's a good chaos. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh... I think that even if you're in a family that's not blended, chaos is to be expected. I mean, Mm -hmm. chaos is just (laughs) a part of life, right? But I think what this speaks to is that sometimes blended families can be a different kind of chaos. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. What's that blended? What is that like the difference in that chaos in a blended family? So for us, oh my gosh, there's so many layers to blend, to having a blended family, I am, I believe I'm totally blessed because the way our blend is from the initial, you know, introduction, they immediately, you know, connected. As the kids would say, they vibe well, everybody just kind of gelled and meshed. And it was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't expecting it to be this easy. And then transitioning into a home together, we're like, okay, well, let's see how, how this works. But ironically, like, after my um, first divorce, my thing was like, I wanted, I always wanted girls. I love girls. So I have one daughter and two come into a, a blend of family with older girls. It was like, oh, this is my dream come true. I, can't, I don't comb hair. I don't know how to do, you know, certain things. And then one of the older girls, she actually does hair. So she's been, you know, helpful in that aspect. So blending for us, it came easy. Um, of course, with the kids meshing well, that took like a ton of the stress off because sometimes with blended families, you're like the siblings, they, you know, there's a, a need for more attention or, you know, attitudes and mood swings and, you know, their likes and dislikes. 
But I can honestly say that is not our story. And I am, like I said, I feel I consider myself blessed that our kids get along um, so well. So it takes, like I said, it takes half of the stress away, you know, blending, knowing that the kids mesh well. Yeah. So that's absolutely a blessing. Um, I'm going to say I'm in that same boat with you, right, of being in that place where your kids can get along pretty easily because that's a huge concern. Like, what's this going to mean for the household and, you know, who's taking sides with who? But we are going to get into that piece in a moment. So tell me a little bit, maybe, um, if you feel so led about maybe your life growing up. Like, what was your family dynamic like growing up? Was it blended? So I'm actually an only child. My mom um, married later. Um, she remarried later. And my stepfather, he had children, but there there was really no relationship except for one. So although my mama is deceased now, me and my, I guess I can still say stepbrother, we are still extremely close, still spend time together, visit. The kids still refer to him as uncle. So for me, I didn't really grow up in a blended family because we, I say mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in one because we weren't actually in the same household, although we would see each other, you know, in visitations and things like that. So for me, I was spoiled. Only child, it was always my way. I didn't have to share um, anything, whereas my husband, he grew up in a blended family. So our perspective and views on family dynamics, you know, sometimes yeah. there's a miscommunication, misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. But for me, I did not, I did not have that luxury of yeah. growing up in a family. Yeah. So with that, right. So you, you bring that kind of unique perspective um, mm -hmm. of like experiencing somewhat of a blended family later in life, mm -hmm. but you know, you still didn't have to like work out the dynamics of living in the same household. So like going from that dynamic to now, you know, creating this big blended family of your own where you are integrating households. What do you think has been the most difficult or challenging in that transition? The most, oh my goodness, it's a list, but, <laughs> but the most challenging is adjusting because um, traditions are different. Um, the way, you know, chores, we, although we agree on a lot, again, because we're coming from different backgrounds, that's the most challenging part part adjusting to traditionals, compromising, um, figuring out what, you know, what's really important and what's not, and just, um, you know, setting the order in the structure in the house, which I think is very, very important, which we did. And, you know, going into the relationship, like, you know, this is the head, this is how this is going to work. So setting the expectation. Um, we didn't have a lot of pushback. Um, I think my youngest daughter, being seven, um, she was probably the most challenging <laughs> because she's, you know, they have to test the water to see, you know, well, how far I can go with this work. Will I get away with this and things like that? But just setting the structure and the expectation of how this is supposed to look, um, how this is supposed to work. And then um, creating those boundaries and safe places to have those tough conversations probably is the number one task or difficult conversation on that on that list well here's something else to to think about too because you know like I said I 
am also, I come from a blended family. And um, so if you want to know more about that, I'm not going to use this time because I really want to get Kay's perspective. Um, you can hear that on um, my podcast uh, episode one, The Marvel and the Mess, and learn all about that. But um, with that, like, how did you, how did you figure out what that structure, like, how did you have the conversation? Like, how do you go into that? Because, I mean, even coming from a blended family um, and even being a therapist, it's strange. There are several things that we talked about, um, but we just kind of expected things to flow a little bit, right? Um, you know, it's kind of like we address it as it comes up, which wasn't always bad, but wasn't always great when you needed to handle something like right then. It's like, sidebar, let's go have a conversation about how we're going to deal with this. Or, you know, one person is silent, the other person's not. And anywho, so how did you guys like make that plan, like come together to make that structure? Um, For us, if for us, of course, it was setting the tone. Him being the man that he is, he understands mm-hmm. his role. I understand my role. And I know we don't like to say, you know, gender specific roles and things like that. But there are, listen, I'm not taking out trash. I'm not cutting grass. I don't expect him to be in my kitchen cooking every day. So it was just setting, setting the foundation, understanding, okay, this is the order of the house. What he says is what goes. Now, even if I don't agree with what he said or how he said something, I don't address it in front of the kids, vice versa. Now, when we get upstairs in the bedroom, we can have some pillow talk and we can have some conversation. But just, you know, him being the man he is, when he came in, he set the tone. We did have initially, you know, when we moved in together, we did have a family meeting saying, you know, this is this, you know, X, Y, Z chores. You know, we just set that. He set the expectations. But of course, it came through um, us having conversation as well. What, you know, what we expect from everybody. So once that foundation was laid, you know, we just kind of start building, building on it from there. So I really commend you guys for, for, you know, like taking the time out to like figure those things out because so many times in life, like we're just facing what's in front of us and not necessarily always, you know, super conscientious or intentional about preparations for moving forward, right? You know, defining the rules of engagement and how we're going to navigate certain things. And I've always found that, you know, kind of coming up with that structure can really help save a lot of heartburn and heartache. So (laughs) even with that structure, um, what are some of the things that you found over time that just kind of is something you can't plan for and you end up having to go back And like, how are we going to deal with this? Or, you know, what do we, where do we even start? Because we have a structure, but this wasn't, you know, part of the expectation. Prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, prayer. (laughs) Um, And we've had, now listen, it's a good blend, but let's just be honest and be transparent. It's not perfect. It's, It's perfect for us, but... Listen, it don't, it's not easy by, by any means. So for us, um, I always go back to communication and understanding and comprehension. Um, I've struggled with 
with areas of being vulnerable about how I feel, you know, in certain situations. And sometimes I hold my peace until I can't hold my peace and boom, it explodes. And it's like, well, wait a minute, where did all this come from? Um, because again, in a blended family, you're wanting, you have more people to take into consideration. You have to think about how they were, how, you know, other children were raised, how my children were raised and, you know, what they're used, accustomed to. So it's like, it's so much to take in account for um, when those situations arise, we thank God for therapy, prayer, and conversation because that's what keeps us sane to be able to have those <laughs> conversations. Go back to the drawing board and come up with a solution. Like you know, speaking of transparency, do you ever have those times where you just want to pull your hair out, like scream at the top of your lungs because why? Right? Um, yes. I will say um, blended families are not for the faint of heart um, Mm -hmm. is my opinion. But I also think that if you really do the work to figure it out, there's Mm -hmm. so many benefits of that blended family dynamic. Um, And so when it comes down to the blended family dynamic, there's always people that are not in your household that you have to consider okay and those people are undoubtedly the other parents and so what is what does that side of it look like um what would you say to someone who's going into or considering the blended family dynamic right I know that side getting there. <laughs> I know that side right there. <laughs> so I will say this. If it does not um, internally affect your household, their opinions, their thoughts, they're not contributing, it holds no weight. Um, we can agree to disagree. We can work together, you know, from a co-parent perspective. Um, but that's it. Like, that's it. My house is my house and I run my house how I run my house. Now, if you don't like it, you know, too bad, so sad, but this is my house and this is how we run it. So there's really, there's really nothing they can say or do. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie though. Like just speaking from a place of transparency, um, when, you know, I had my son, um, course I chose you know not to continue to pursue you know long-term relationship with my with his father um we had broken up before I found out I was pregnant and for me that didn't change anything right but historically you've had so many people to say like stay with the father of your child you'll do the child better and in my experience and in my clinical work it's really about the environment you're creating for the child and not always a necessity right you actually can be doing a child more good if Mm -hmm. you don't have the two my thought process was why do I want my child in a household where his parents are only together for him what am I teaching him right or you know, we forced it and now we're chopping each other's heads off on a regular basis. Like, how does he win in those instances? 
Um, and so that was like something that people would look at me like, I mean, you don't want to be with them. You don't want to try, you know, it's your kid. And I was like, yeah, it's my kid and it's my life. And I'm thinking about what's best for my kid. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who maybe feels like, you know, kids are supposed to be with their parents together? Definitely, dis I disagree with that because for one, for me, um, you don't want your you have like you said you consider the environment environment is it a healthy environment for them to actually be raised in? Do you want your kids to see you constantly fussing, arguing, disagreeing? There's no love in the room. All they get is tension, and it's so you know the tension is so thick you can cut it with a with a steak knife. So think about the environment. Is it an environment that they're able to grow in? And sometimes we have to just be honest with ourselves. Kids adjust. They adapt. So changing an environment, yes, it could be a traumatic experience to them to a certain extent. But if you're leaving a bad environment to put them in a better environment, I mean, don't you think that child would thrive more in that environment? And especially if you're opening them up into a, a, health, a very healthy environment one household you can feel the love you you know you can see it you know in the kids because they're in a healthy environment they're happy yes they're spoiled they you know have their little temper tantrums and things like that but for the most part they can see mommy for one in a healthy relationship she's being loved the right way you can see you know the love not only for me but you can also see the love expressed you know extended to the children as well so it's a good thriving healthy environment and why wouldn't you want your child to be in that environment versus something toxic teaching them you know unhealthy you know behaviors and things like that and of course it has a impact on their mental health as well so you have to it's better to leave the environment honestly you know do pros versus staying in that environment yeah because you know as parents and i think that's you know, obviously you go to school for therapy, you learn all these things about family dynamics, but that is so, that book knowledge is so different from living out the family experience, right? That family dynamic. And so one of the things that has become very apparent to me, and I think one of my biggest lessons um, was just having to always, speaking of all the things you consider and the things that we can do that don't really help help our kids out is an unhealthy co-parenting dynamic. And not only that, the differences, like you said, in how they're being raised in households, right? If in my household, I'm teaching one of respect and consideration and emotional expression and in another household or in the, in the other household, which could very well be the primary household, right? there is this, I do what I want, you know, my attitude can be this or that, I don't have responsibility, you know, my language is not one of respect, my demeanor is not one of respect, um, that I'm constantly around like negative alliances and things like that, then that's the thing that I feel comfortable with and I gravitate towards. And so one of the things that we also have to consider in the blending and the transition is, you know, what are the things that the kids, you know, are so 
ingrained with maybe or things that they're so attached to or behaviors that they're so attached to that make the cohesion a little bit more difficult. Like, for example, this is a real example. Okay, so um, I'm not going to say any names per se, you know, but this child said to their parents, you know, I don't like coming around because you guys act too white. And so there ended up being a robust conversation about like, what does that mean for it to be Mm -hmm. too white? And what too white meant was the opposite of what I'm used to, right? I'm used to this loud, do what I Mm -hmm. want, for lack of a better phrase, ghetto, right? That is the phrase Mm -hmm. the child used, right? Like the gist was, I think ghetto is cool. And you guys are not that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be around the riffraff and you guys act too white. You're around too many white people. But the too many white people was more so about the fact that in their other life experience, they were not around any white people. They weren't cultured. And so for my family, we're very, I grew up cultured being around people of different races. I teach my children or I expose them to different culture and cultures because it's a part of the human experience. Um, it's, it's how we learn to adapt and navigate different situations. So when it comes to like situations like that, and I, I imagine you have experienced them, like not anything like of that, right? When the teachings right. are different, when the primary household has a grip, you know, the one that has been the primary or the household that's still the primary has this grip. How do you like navigate that intermingling with so much of the teaching that you're trying to do really not being taken in because of... Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's definitely, again, it's getting to the root, pulling back those layers. Why why are you, it's the why, the whys, the seven whys, basically, of what you're getting to. Why do you feel so comfortable? Why do you feel this is so different? What, in what you're seeing is different. Are you open to change? What are your long-term goals? Like, although kids don't think about it, but sometimes the white, the, too white or the so white or the suburban, you know, opinions, actually, are you afraid of success? Are you afraid of succeeding? Are you, are you, do you have, have a problem with um, structure and order? Um, discipline, like what, what is it that you really have a problem with? Because over here, it's structure and order. We run our household the way we run our household for a particular reason. Now, although you may, and I'm saying my household, but, you know, per se, um, if that's what you're used to, what does that look like for you down the road? How many doors will that actually get you into? So it's like, you know, do you want better for yourself? Are you just comfortable with this and this is it for you? Because being over here, there's more opportunities. There's more longevity. We can teach you to have these conversations with, you know, um, in diverse environments and things like that to, to 
set you up for success. Whereas over here, you can be loud, you can be ghetto, you can smoke, drink, do whatever you want to do. But in honesty, is that really what you want for the rest of your life? Because eventually you're going to get tired of seeing that and seeing everybody else progressing and, you know, succeeding unless you just have mm -hmm. no desire for betterment in your life. Because eventually you're going to be like, well, I kind of want some of that too. I want to see what that is like. There's nothing wrong with using correct grammar. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having proper etiquette um, in conversation manners. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the way society is, of course, is for, it's frowned upon. You want to be cool. You want to, you know, have all of this foolery and nonsense that really leads up to nothing long term. Yeah. Yeah. So you make such a, a valid and interesting point, right? That, you know, there's there's so many different possible benefits, but there's also barriers that maybe keep mm -hmm. the children involved from accessing those benefits. And in my experience, it could be due to this like sense of loyalty that they feel like they have to have to the other parent, mm -hmm. right? Um, this like, well, I can't like my step parent too much because that might not, that might be a betrayal or there's the playing of sides. Like when I'm with dad, I talk about mom and when I'm with mom, I talk about dad. And so like, you might find the kid like story swapping mm -hmm. to try to, make sure that they're maintaining closeness with both parents. It's like this idea that they, you know, sometimes kids can get the idea that they have to not like the other parent when they're around one, right? Like, it's like, I have to show that I'm aligned with you because if I like mom and I like dad, then that's a problem. And so that's something they shouldn't even have to... They're little, I say little because I think of, you know, kids just being little. They shouldn't even have to fence with those thoughts or think about, you know, with what side to be on. Just be you. If you, it's okay. Like, you are entitled to feel how you feel, how you feel. You're entitled to like who you like. Like, that, it's, it shouldn't be a problem to where the child has to carry that burden of what side to be on when they should just be neutral and just enjoy. Honestly, I think blended families, it's a, it's, actually benefits you get two of everything so you know it shouldn't be you have to choose you're like hey i get listen i get to stay at my mom's house during school on summer spring breaks i'm at my dad's and we're doing xyz and you know so forth you get the best of both worlds it shouldn't be that a child should have to choose or compete you know for the attention or to feel the loyalty towards you know either parent yeah so you know, it's, I hate to say it, but as many different blended families as I've seen, you know, I've seen those who don't really consider their kids as much as they think they do, right? And that the decisions they make are about the ex-spouse. You know, I want to get the ex-spouse back. You know, I want the ex-spouse to be upset or I want the, you, you know, like it's, it. It drives me insane. So I would love to know, like, you know, maybe you have addressed it or haven't addressed it before, but what would you do or how would you advise someone to address the idea that, you know, maybe the other parent is 
um, inhibiting the growth of the relationships? Or how would you address, you know, making sure that both parents are in a space to be able to try to get on the same page or not being the kids, not being the one who has to communicate between the parents, right? Especially when they're younger. I can imagine as kids get older, they'll, they'll kind of deal with their parents, right? For the things they want. But in those formative years, it's so important for the parents to be the ones that are discussing things and not putting the kids in the middle of that. So how would you advise someone? What tips would you have for someone on addressing those types of things? I would first say check your heart because if there's no emotional ties, there's no unforgiveness or any emotional attachment, there shouldn't be an issue. I think the issue comes in when a person still, there's no, there's unforgiveness. Um, there's resentment, there's anger, there's, you know, still may be lingering feelings because that would, to me, outside looking in, that would be the thing that would hinder you from actually having a, a cordial relationship to where you guys can co-parent and there's nothing there, there's nothing there to keep you guys, you know, at ends or fussing or fighting. Like, what are you still holding on to? Because mm-hmm. if you've moved on, I moved on, we should be able to communicate do what's best for the kids and you know and that be that but check your heart see what's still what's still lingering what residue is still there oh my goodness like I feel like I have to that has to that is going to be in the show notes check your heart okay I feel like you know you saying that out loud makes me think like that's absolutely one of the most important things that people need to do when they're creating a blended family or part of a blended family, check your heart. Cause if it's holding on to some malice, if it's not in the right place, and then after you check your heart, check your intention, like, Oh my, Oh my girl, that's it. We're done. We're done. Cause you know, we don't realize, you know, I always say like, there is this logic and emotion are the things we use to function in our lives, right? It's part of our mindset. It's part of, you know, how we navigate. That's what our brain uses, the logic and the emotion. Now, with that, logic and emotion are two separate entities, right? They're they're not the, you know, you need both of them for balance, but logic is based in fact, and emotion is, more about these internal things, right? And so feelings are valid, but they're not factual, okay? So you have facts and then you have feelings and or validation. And we need a little bit of both. But a lot of times, you know, I've noticed in blended families, people are throwing the logic all the way out the window and it's like feelings, full throttle, zero to a hundred, like full speed ahead. But but why, right? And and then you hear this defense that says like, well, you know, I'm just looking out for such and such. And I'm like, like do you really believe that or no, <laughs> right? Um, because the actions, right? The, it doesn't logically make sense. The things that they're engaging in, like if this was really about the child, logically, this is a horrible decision. So right. like- that communication is about, well, how did you get to that conclusion, right? So 
considering that, um, because I can say that, you know, I've dealt with, you know, people who aren't good at co-parenting and those who are. And so if someone was to find themselves on the side of taking the higher road per se, right? Or, you know, being the one that keeps the peace, but sets good boundaries. And maybe they're getting weary because they're just like, I'm just not going to keep letting them run over me. I'm not going to keep letting them get away with it. Um, And something you said earlier made me think about that. You said like, what they got going on, what they do, it's not, it's not, you can't get wrapped up in it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, messing up your household per se, but that, those are some hard feelings to get by. So what would you advise someone who has been doing what they feel like is their part to be a good co-parent, you know, forge a good united family, but there's this constant resistance and having to like not engage with maybe a co-parent who's toxic. Um, It's a long shot, but you can try to actually sit down and see what their perspective is, what their issue is. Cause I always think it's a hard issue. So, okay. You know what? There's an issue. You feel some type of way. Let's talk about it. Let's see what the issue is. And again, it's a long shot because depending on how dramatic, how toxic they are, it can be, you know, open up a whole can of worms and it'd be like, this is not, you know, what I signed up for to hear. But sometimes they just, sometimes it could be as simple as they just want to be heard. They want to feel, you know, that their opinion or their perspective matter or, you know, sometimes they can feel like their shoes are being filled, like somebody's trying to take their place or replace them. A lot of times I always say it, it really can be a hard issue, but long shot, try to have a conversation. Um, depending on how that conversation goes, you know, it may result into, you know, a solution or the root, getting to the root and then getting to a solution. Or it could be, you know what, I'm going to just leave you over here by yourself and we're going to just deal with it way and just, you know, close that door and just go on. Yeah. Definitely start off by trying to have a conversation. Yes. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I'm just going to bring up the real tough thing. Okay. And because this is a place for transparency. So speaking mm-hmm. from experience, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, you're a therapist. You can figure out how to solve things. So there's even times where my husband's been like, okay, Amanda, you like, you're too like chill. Right. And I'm like, no, it's not about being chill. I just have a threshold, right? And, mm-hmm. and so I will just kind of, things don't really get me in the moment, but they're kind of like, they build up over time. So maybe I'm like more like a stuffer, right? So to sit there like, you know what, whatever, 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 not give it that energy. And then th- there's one thing that happens and you're like, this is just ridiculous. Like, what are you thinking? You know, um, my husband can probably will tell anyone. I've always tried to remain a very neutral party, even though in actuality, I'm not neutral. I'm, you know, me and my husband are together. That's, that's, that's the side I'm on, right? right. But neutrality in the sense of making sure that whatever he's doing and she's doing um, and what I'm doing and what, you know, my son's dad is doing is, is in the best, best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. So 
on one side of our co-parenting relationship, we can have those conversations, right? On another side of our co-parenting relationship, it's like the other person is like runs from conversations. And when I say runs, I mean, let's address it. We've offered several times and the conversations never happen. So we've had to figure out a way to like move forward. And so how do you, what would you say like in a situation like that? How do you move forward recognizing that there's just going to be a piece of this relationship that's not going to come together, right? How do you like find the calm in the chaos, right? Keep the unity within and, you know, not maybe focus so much on that little piece that will not (laughs) stick, right? (laughs) I think as far as the parents, um, not talking about the co-parents, but as far as the parent, if the communication is open, just say for instance, we have an issue with my ex-husband or more so I have an issue and it never goes addressed like you want to address it. It just doesn't happen. So of course I have the communication the open communication with him where we're constantly talking about whatever the issue is. And we understand, like, you know what? This is just going to be, that's just how it is. Unfortunately, we would love, you know, for everybody to, to as he would say, coexist in the same space, but it's just not going to be. Well, it affects the child because, of course, the child would like to see the interaction and know, like, hey, everybody gets along. This, you know, this isn't a bad thing. So, they just gonna have to be left outside, <laughs> outside of the bubble. It's it's unfortunate, but just still creating those boundaries and making sure the kids are not impacted by you know the other parent, whatever the issue is. But just still giving them a good, sound, healthy relationship, and just even in conversation, if the child says something, you know, not negatively talking about their parent, you know, exposing to adult conversations and things like that, so they're still in a healthy environment. The rest of the world still is the household still functions in a in a good, healthy, positive, positive way. Um, and hopefully, you know, eventually they'll come around. If not, I mean, you can't cry over spoiled milk. You can't force adults to do things that they don't want to do. But hopefully, they'll see it and you know start eventually wanting to change for the better. All right. So speaking of you know this like parenting and secure attachments because I I am a huge fan of like knowing your attachment style. Um, And our attachment styles are really based on the fact that like, you know, our primary relationships and experiences kind of shape how we engage in relationships with others. And so when you think about that, it explains a lot about, you know, how maybe how or why people maybe parent the way they do right? They either do what they know or they do the opposite of what they, they know because they want to be better or they try to learn more to do better. Um, but one of the things that I, I'm always sharing with parents is that we don't have to get it right 100% of the time, right? And it's no longer just the thing of like, we just provide food and shelter and necessities and that's it. Like there's the spirituality piece. There's the, you know, emotional connected that are, the connectedness that our kids need. And just the idea that like, we're going to be there, for them if they need us, right? They actually learn from us more by watching us than what we tell them. And so if we lived 
more in that space of just modeling a good example instead of telling them what they should be doing and how they should be doing it, we'd see a huge difference because there used to be this do as I say, not as I do thing. I don't know if you heard that before, but I heard that growing up, Mm -hmm. do as I say, not as I do. Yes. And, and still I did the things that they did too. I'm like, well, they did it, you know, no big deal. But with our kids and that co-parenting piece, you know, those attachments are so necessary. And sometimes parents don't realize that they can be ruining their relationship with their child, that maybe they have a good stable one right now, but it doesn't stay that way because as they get older, they recognize what was actually happening. What's your take on that? So, you know, speaking of you know, attachment styles, you know, our attachment styles are really a huge indicator of like how we view, how we navigate relationships with others, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, because those, they're based on those primary parental relationships. And so considering that, you know, no longer are the days where we can just, you know, provide, you know, food and shelter, there needs to be more, there needs to be a Mm -hmm. spiritual component, this emotional connectedness, like, there's this whole wellness piece that has to be considered in parenting, the kid needs to know, you know, my feelings matter, they're valid, you know, my parent listens to me, I feel heard and understood that, you know, I, you know, my opinions and my thoughts are important, because that's a huge part of how, they will navigate, you know, mm-hmm. emotional connected connectedness with other people. Um, right. And so whether or not we have secure, secure children is not about whether or not their parents are in the same household. It's what they're mm-hmm. seeing, what's being modeled for them, um, what they're being exposed to is the most important. Are you there when they need them? Do you listen to them? Do you hear them out? Do you give them their, uh, allow them to have that voice? And so... Um, I just want to hear, like, how would you tell other parents or some tips that you would give other parents or people that are part of blended families? What tips would you give them in supporting your kids in addition to your bonus? I call mine, I call mine my bonus baby. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, how would you tell them how do you, to support that bonus baby, um, and also kind of find your special space as their bonus parent. Finding that, that special place is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, um, but you have to let it just happen. You can't force it. Um, be available, listen, learn, you know, what they like, what they dislike. Learning the children is also like learning learning not dating them per se but you know when you're dating you're learning you're actively listening you're paying attention you're taking in you know what they like what triggers them you know what they enjoy doing what they dislike doing so you're literally learning them um just like you would any other relationship um finding finding your place is difficult i sometimes i feel like i'm still finding mine but it's just being open and having those conversations with them and then spending time with them. Um, at the end of the day, from the children to, you know, us as adults, we're looking for understanding. We're looking for genuine love. Um, gene, people that genuinely care about us, just be there. Um, 
own who you are, what you do, what, you know, none of us are perfect, but, you know, I'm clumsy. The girls know I'm clumsy. We were, uh, I think last Friday, maybe been last Friday, we, I decided to take one of the girls out for lunch because we hadn't spent any time together, hung out. It was raining outside. I didn't have the umbrella. I tripped going <laughs> up the escalator. <laughs> trip coming out of the mall so it was like they know I'm clumsy but you know her thing was hey be careful you know don't fall you know don't hurt yourself and things like that so just not trying to for one I never want to fill their, their mom's shoes their mom and me their mom and I are totally different people she is who she is in her own respective right and so am I so I just be who I am you know with them I'm very open very transparent um, with them but also you know I'm there's a connection between us and I just focus on building that connection and what works for us versus you know the relationship with their mom so. mm -hmm. that's just be so you. beautiful that oh I love that I literally just designed that to go on a shirt because oh just listen that you, you gave me a moment there that's how I know I need to go ahead and put it on my shirt because just be you. I mean, that's such a simple but powerful statement. Like, it's, it is just, oh gosh, like, mm -hmm. so many of us are trying to be what, you know, we think that people think we should be or how we should be and blah, blah, blah. But we don't have time for all that. We we would just do best to be ourselves, and that's it. That's all we can do. So, Kay, while you are, you know, part of a blended family, or you've created your own blended family, um, you like you said, you wear many hats, and you do so much more. So, I just like like let's tell the people how to find you. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, how they can find you um how they can engage you tell them everything and we'll be sure to include it in the show notes the easiest way um to find me i'm on facebook um instagram i think i'm on twitter and but i'm not active on twitter so the best way to connect with me probably will be facebook and instagram and it is simply my um Username, my ad handle, my social media handles are I am A A Y C O L E. If you go there, you can find everything else that I do. Um, you can find my website as well. Love it. Love it. I so appreciate you coming in here um, today or joining me, um, engaging in this transparency and talking about all things life and. Um, there's so much more to this that we can probably discuss. So we may have to do a part two. Um, okay. So be advised. We're going to put the some of the great tips that Kay shared with us today in the show notes. And make sure that you know how to access her. Once again, you know, we looked at United We Blend. We're navigating the intricacies of blended families, um, talking about our real stories and making sure that we check in our hearts that touch of love in there wasn't by chance so <laughs> thank you Kay, for sharing with us today
join us on our next episode topic to be shared later. Um, feel free to follow us on all our channels um, and you'll see that at the end. Thanks for being with us today.